Hey everybody, welcome to the Those Who Do podcast. On this episode, Paul Heinzman comes down and talks finance, business, a lot of cool stuff. One of our secrets to success has been that we have, from the beginning, been focused on treating our coffee shop business like a real business. It's all about trying new things, taking risks on yourself, investing in yourself. Like that's that's the biggest thing that I would recommend. It's just invest in yourself and and don't let other people's opinions dictate what you do with your life. You, I won't outwork anyone. And once you do that, then you know. Once I learned that, I was I was much older when I learned. That's when I was able to start buying the the nice things. So my name is Paul Heinzman. I work as the Treasury Management Business Development Officer at Stockyards Bank. I'm also a co-host and executive producer at Drunken Money. And I got a couple other things in the mix right now that are kind of exciting. God, what a title. That's a lot of titles. <laughs> it's, it's all just words to make myself feel better. It's all talk, no walk, basically. So how did you get into that? A little bit backstory on you, because I've listened to your podcast a lot. I love the episodes, a lot of value there. So how did you get into the finance part, then we can talk a little bit about how you got into the podcast part. Sure. Um, so I went to college at Xavier University, and I was accounting, um, and don't tell John, uh, but I didn't, I didn't make it. I couldn't uh, stick in accounting long enough. Um, but uh, I then switched to finance and marketing. Um, <clears throat> I actually went to a seminar my freshman year that told us, only do what you love, and I obviously didn't love accounting, and I didn't love finance, uh, but my dad told me, you at least need to do something that'll get you a job down the road, and marketing might not get you a job. But I love marketing, so I did marketing and finance. Um, graduated four years. Uh, Xavier was awesome. Uh, but when I got out, uh, I kind of did a couple internships in finance during college, a couple internships in marketing, and I realized the job markets for marketing jobs are not great. You basically do five years. Right. Of Is that communications and marketing? It's, it's yeah. kind of communications and marketing. It's a tough – it's just a – when you get out, there's, there's the job market is not great. Easiest yeah. way to well, say Well, that's it. Yeah, that's what I was going to school for was communications, really? marketing. Didn't really like it. School was expensive. Did the other thing. So it's not worth it. Yeah. So that's so interesting because I also tried accounting. <laughs> well, that lasted a month. Yeah. I, um, John Ackman does accounting. I did, I, my partner on the on the show. But yeah, yeah I'm glad it. there's people smarter than me that can do my books. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness, me. right? Uh, so you went to school for that mm-hmm. and then got into the finance. Did you go straight to Stockyards after that? Actually, yeah. So I was at the end and everyone in senior year of college goes through the what am I doing with my life phase of, I don't know if I want to move back to Louisville, don't know if I want to move away, don't know if I want to travel for you, you know, whatever. Uh, but ultimately, I came to the agreement that I was like, I want to move back to Louisville. And Stockyards was coming out with this management training program where they're basically going to take kids my age and they were going to put them to work for two years. They were going to send them to every department of the bank. Um, because I wanted a job after college that got me a ton of exposure to know what I did and didn't want to do. And the management training program at Stockyards gave me the ability to kind of know, see every part of banking. I mean, I got to work as a teller. I got to work in the trust department. I got to work at 5.30 a.m. in the mailroom. I mean, literally, <laughs> I got to do every job the bank had to offer. Um, and I was lucky I did, uh, because then as soon as I got out, I became a small business lender, kind of business banker. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was basically just told, here's a phone book go find businesses for stockyards and cold calling is tough but cold calling around people twice your age who are better than you at it is even tougher so imagine making a call and it going horribly and everyone around you who's better than you just heard it and they say oh how'd that go 
So it was tough. That's such a good skill to learn. Is cold calling for anything, any sales? Because I'm a real estate agent, so I know oh, that that's like. Oh, man. Yeah. And then it's the tough. first, like, 100 suck. And, um, they get just, better. Just like anything, they get better and um, huge skill to learn. So tell us a little bit more about Drunken Money, because I think that's yeah. the best name ever. So that was born. I met John Ackerman through YPAL, um, Young Professional Association of Louisville. And basically, he and I kind of jived well. We got along really well. And one day, we were like, he asked me to be on his podcast. And he is not as good of an interviewer as you are, because we actually went out um, and did a – we were out at a bar, and he was getting ideas of how he was going to interview me, because he just couldn't have a full conversation, I guess. Um, well, we, uh, the first bar we went to actually turned into a bar crawl, and that podcast he was going to do <laughs> actually turned into he and I doing a podcast together, um, and that's that night Drunken Money was born. God. We actually did an inter, uh, an episode that night. Um, we've it's gone because it was we we were very we were pretty drunk that night. I mean, drunk <laughs> the emphasis on drunken money that night. Right. Uh, we recorded it. it is it is miserable. Um, but yeah, ever since then, we just wanted to help our generation make sense of not only how to do personal finance, but also how to have that entrepreneur spirit mm. or how to be an adult, how to, you know, manage for the 401k, but also how to, you know, think about getting your um, health insurance. Definitely. It's definitely. tough. T- it's tough stuff. Now, my boss, uh, I told him I was doing this today and he loved, I just said, uh, drunken money. He's like, that's the best. <laughs> Um, how come, do you still like drink? Are you going to make that a thing to do? Oh, on I mean, we, there's some episodes. You, get, you pre-game, pre-game it a little well, bit? Well, so the pre-gaming is pretty much, so the guest comes to, it, the, my, also our, our venue, our uh, recording studio is not as nice as the one I'm in right now. It looks pretty awesome in here. Um, but my recording studio is my kitchen. So guests come to my house. You know, we get to know them. We have a couple beers before the show starts, and it's actually dealer's choice. So, for example, if you were our guest, we ask you what your favorite drink is, oh, and we have that for the show. Um, so we bake, we drink whatever they like the most, and then after we kind of get to know them for 30 minutes, then we turn on the mics. So after two uh-huh. or three beers, that's when we start the show. And then two or three beers later or four beers later, that's when the show is finished. So some, some shows are more tipsy than others, um, and it depends on what we're drinking. Like if we have wine – could get kind of wild if we have bourbon it could get even more wild dude you need to record that make that the new you, you have you heard of hot ones i don't think oh i have <laughs> heard of hot ones yeah. i i don't think we we i i also worry about getting too drunk on an episode because the day i do that because i mean we we do we do fix everything in post so if i said something horrible i mean obviously yeah. i can fix it on post that's the but the, end of the joy day, of a podcast yeah. true but I would hate to for say something so real and be oh man I want to have that in but also I have a job that I don't want to lose yeah. and I don't want someone to yeah, hate me or true. something. True. What do stockyards do? They all listen to the because there's still a lot of value despite the silliness to of it. Of course. Well, I'd be lying if I said a ton of people at stockyards listen to it, but everyone at stockyards fully supports it because mm-hmm. basically, I basically told stockyards, hey, I care so much about personal finance and helping my generation that hey, I did want to do a podcast outside of work. That also makes me kind of look like I know what I'm doing kind of in terms of finance. Mm-hmm. So it puts a good light on stockyards. And it's not like I'm going on the show and talking bad about stockyards. I talk about how I love my job. Right. And I talk about how I'm so lucky to be on my job. And peop- I've, even, I'd be lying too if I didn't say I got referrals from Drunken Money too. People might think about getting a house or mortgage and they think, oh, let's go to stockyards. Stuff like that. 
Yeah, that's so crazy because that just resonated with me. <laughs> exactly. Yep, you got it. Um, so what do you think is the number one money tip for younger people that are maybe racking on uh, student debt or maybe racking on credit card debt that just aren't used to it because they just didn't learn. It's more of an ignorance and they didn't know. And then the rude awakening of being like, oh, they didn't they didn't even build their credit score. Now they're trying to, like, right out of college, get a house. Do you have any tips for money or at least getting – what's the best way to get started or pay off debt in little increments? Sure. The I mean, so Drunken Money has, like, our six tenets of – drunken money, like the six steps of how to become a millennial millionaire, we call it. Um, and I could go through those, but that would take a little bit of time. So the, the biggest thing, the biggest thing I can tell anyone listening is to have a goal. If you have a goal, you can't fail. So for example, in your, in your mm -hmm. instance, buying a house, if you have the goal to buy a house, you know, you need, let's just say $20,000 for down payment. And let's just say you have $10,000 in the bank. So you need 10,000 bucks. Well, you can get in a year if you just look at how much you spend in a month and you look how much you make. And if you're making $100 a month extra, that's how much you put towards the house. It makes sense. But if you have a goal and you're at the grocery and you're thinking, okay, should I buy the name brand or should I buy Koga brand? Well, will the name brand get me closer to buying a house? No, absolutely not. Or if you think, should I take a vacation this weekend or should I just stay at home and you know, take it easy and save? Right. If you have a goal, you can think and make better decisions. Like my goal on the show is I want to swim with whale sharks. And it's going to be like a five or $6,000 trip. What's that? Where is that? It's, uh, I want to do it on the west coast of Australia, on the Ningaloo Reef. Um, so it's going to be super expensive. i got to fly into Sydney, then Sydney to Exmouth oh, in Australia. Flights, yeah. So flights are going to be super expensive. The actual uh, tour mm. itself is expensive. So I, I want to do it more than anything. Yeah. And I want to take my family. We hopefully want to do it for our honeymoon. And it's spent saving for that is <laughs> That's crazy. That's amazing. But it makes us, I mean, for 4th of July, we were going to fly to Las Vegas and do a bunch of national parks out there. But instead, we're just driving up to Grand Rapids. And we're Airbnb my house out while we're gone. It's so like every decision we make is because we want to save up for the future. God, that's so. I love the little goals, the goals that res that actually make you excited. Other than, because uh, some of the goals won't be exciting, but getting out of debt, like credit card debt, is a big one that I know a lot of people struggle with. And is, student debt. Yeah, student debt is actually the biggest, but um, that's still the. Uh, there's actually a lot more people now that are trying to push against the student debt, and a, a lot of the things that I don't want to get into, but they're uh, <laughs> they're getting into it. So the. Next thing, but uh, how do you really deal with the management of money and your job and the podcast? Like, sure. you got a lot to juggle there. Well, and I mean, really it is about compartmentalizing and prioritizing. So I know I do drunken money every Friday. My fiance knows that. She understands it. So, oh, even so if it she's, is. It's scheduled in. It's scheduled in. So I know that John is going to come over Monday and we're gonna have a guest come in, and hopefully from 5.30 to 7, we're gonna be in podcast mode. My fiance knows that, I know that, and then I know that during that week, I'm gonna spend time, you know, remixing it, adding the intros, you know, making the blog, mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff, of course, um, but because I love it, and because John and I both made an agreement that we're not gonna quit. And I had that conversation with my fiance where she supports it too, but, um, and my job supports it too, so I mean, that's I have so, to leave a little so early. Awesome, yeah. Exactly, and that's, and if, 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 if StockCarriage didn't support it, it'd be, I mean, it'd be impossible for me to say that. Um, and I am fortunate enough, I am in a sales role, so they want me doing things that are sales related, and it's kind of salesy, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to have full support of everyone involved. Definitely, oh, I love that so much. So, 
you were telling me before all the cool things that opening a podcast can do, and I want to make an episode just about like how everyone should start a podcast. Everyone. How has podcasts helped you in your career? Honestly, it's given me the opportunity to talk to people that I would never, ever talk to in my real life. You know how awkward it is to just say, find someone on the street and say, hey, can I talk to you right now for 30 <laughs> or 40 minutes and have a beer with you? Okay, that's really weird. No, but... I was, I, I told you, I want to tell a story, but I told you before the show, um, one of my favorite bands of all time was coming through Louisville and I reached out to him ahead of time and I basically said, Hey, do you want to come on my podcast? Also, if you need a fun place to stay, uh, you can stay at my house cause I rent my house on Airbnb. So I had a free couple free beds and they were like, absolutely. So I left early from work. They came over to my house. We had a couple beers. I interviewed them on my show, then got free tickets to the show to see them in concert. And then they literally slept in my house that night. Dude, I mean, it that, was nuts. I, I've had a lot of similar stories because podcasts, like, it's a different way of asking to take time from other people, like busy, like we're asking busy people. And like, who's yeah. the first guy you had on your show? Oh, Tom Mabe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Entrepreneur, comedian guy. Uh, so we're asking busy people. So it has to be something interesting, not just a coffee meeting that I, that's what I was doing before. And I got a few no's. I still get a lot of no's, but now um, it's a, it's a it's lot more first fun. It's just like cold yeah. calling, right? But the t- other kicker is, too, it's also marketing for them because, again, Tom Mabe, he probably enjoyed it because, too, you're getting – he's getting to use your network to push his name. It's, it's basically a marketing tool mm-hmm. for them as well. So it's a, it's a, I think it's a win-win on everybody. That's so crazy. Do you have any uh, – because you seem like a big entrepreneur-friendly guy now that I've listened to your stuff and met you. Do you have any, like, morning routines? You know how a lot have the uh, kind of self-help morning reading book, self-help – influence kind of stuff i wish i had a better morning routine uh before my fiance moved into my house i had a great morning i she's gonna hate me for saying this but i used to you know get up in the morning i would get right up out of bed i'm a total morning well, person. it sounds like you had to wake up early for some of the jobs oh, I, you, well, I usually get i get up early for work and i would get up i would work out before work so i'd get up super early uh, but since my fiance moved in who is not as much of a morning person i typically now relax a little bit more um, but now i stay up later and do more of the work that i need to in the evenings um, but obviously like i said i love my fiance and i love spending the mornings with her more so my mornings have slowly declined into just showering eating breakfast and getting to work hey that's what do you what about maybe you don't get in the morning but i know you still probably do some self-help stuff to get you better because you're doing all this like you're in a job where it's mind and body helps with financial and just everything a business any business career really oh, so one of my biggest piece actually yes yeah, so the self-help part i try to spend an hour every day of doing something that'll take me to one of my five-year goals what are those five-year goals? That's so cool. So, for example, I'd love to own my own business in five years. I'd love to maybe have a video production company. I'd love to maybe be at the top of my game at Stockyards. You know, there's a couple of things I have in the works right now, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of building a company right now, hopefully launching a Kickstarter in a couple months. Um, but to launch a Kickstarter, it takes a lot of work. So I'll use that one, for example. So I want to own my own company. So i launching a Kickstarter soon. So like tonight, I know I'm going to go home and start working on building my email list for that. I'm going to work on my script for the Kickstarter. I'm going to start working on so many things that I know, because again, I know in a month if I want to launch, I have to have all those things done. So again, if I just spend an hour every day, and what is an hour out of my day? Right. I work out at lunch, so it's, it's not really taking away from anything I do. Um, so if I just spend an hour, and again, my fiance can be you know, watching TV, and we can just be hanging out together, and I can still be working on my goals. Um, but again, it, it really is about, you know, putting down Reddit or putting down the video games, putting down something that you – it's sacrificing something to do to think about for that five-year goal. But it's exactly about the 100%. dream. It goes back to the that. dream. Uh, so 
you're actually thinking way far ahead and planning and you're really young. I kind of want to say you're 23, maybe? 23? I'm 27, man. What? I'm real old. It's the beard. It, it, it fakes people out. It's like, is he old? Is he no, young? I know Who some knows? Young, I've been to school with young people with beards. So. Oh, good. Okay. So it goes both ways then. Yeah, that's so crazy because my boss is 28 and he, okay. he does all. So um, it's weird. Once I dropped out of college, I've been hanging with a lot more older people. And uh, most of my friends are like around here and they're 40, 50. Um, but. I guess it's really you're connecting with the soul other than just uh, the person. Exactly. Uh, it depends on like what you want and how you want to like surround yourself with the people that you want to reach those five-year goals. Exactly. Surround yourself yeah. with winners because if you if the people you're surrounding the actually it's I think it's Meg J. She's a, um, a psychiatrist. She interviews millennials. She wrote a book called The Defining Decade. She said, "What you surround yourself with is who you'll become," and it's true because if you think about some people. In their 20s, they just go to work, they come home, they spend time with the same friends, they go to the same bar, drink the same drinks, and they complain about the same job and they never do anything about it. Other people, like yourself and I, um, are meeting new people who are surrounding ourselves with ambitious people and trying to find people who will get them to those goals of where they want to be down the road. Um, and those people, I think, hopefully, again, cross my fingers, I can't say I don't know the future, but hopefully those people will be more successful. Because you won't get anywhere just complaining yeah. about your job. Now, do you... When you were learning how to start a podcast, did you do the YouTube and because um, that's the best way to learn YouTube oh, yeah. internet? And you ran into uh, the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Oh yeah, and it'd be awesome just like interview, like you said, Skype interviews. Oh, I the I'll tell you if I can get into that one. I'll be please, like, I'll have you over here and we'll just like be on the screen and we can watch him because he's he's way up there. So. Oh, he's big time. And they they I mean he has a system. I mean he has a oh, team that's working yeah. with him. He has a marketing team. I mean, he has a whole system. But the toughest thing, did you? And I'm sure you ran into this at some point. There's um, everyone has a million ideas how to have a podcast. Mm-hmm. What from what website you should be hosting on to who you should be publishing your RSS feed to yeah. what microphone you should use to what you should use to mix it mm. to uh, how you should promote it. I mean, everyone has a million ideas, but it's just about finding your own. Amazing point. Information overload is super stressful, especially now that we can look up anything, get a million. And that's why I think a lot of people don't start is they dwell on it because information overload, they don't want to do the wrong thing. They want to get the best gear. And let me tell you, I started with just the the mic right there and a laptop. You can start with anything. That's why I think everyone should true. just start with a laptop. Or just your Audacity. phone. Your phone can, your oh, phone can yeah. record. Very true. Yeah. Um, but just really getting it started up with the Audacity and getting it out. So when you were looking it up, were you stressed with it too? I was incredibly stressed, and honestly, just I think launching was stressful. I mean, we, we, I mean, you've obviously done a good job because you, you did an interview and you just put it out there. We did like six or seven interviews, and we didn't even put it. We didn't even put really? anything out there. We were just, we were just nervous about literally putting ourselves out there. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people are nervous about is you're mm. putting your voice out to the masses, and I. From like about three years ago, I always ask, I like to ask myself, like, what's the biggest risk you've ever taken? What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? And if you don't take those risks, you'll never find out what. Right. So if you don't, if you don't just risk, if you don't launch it, I mean, every, what is, what do they say? It's like even LeBron James shot a bad basket when he was first getting started. It's like everyone starts bad. Everyone mm-hmm. is bad when they start. No one just gets a bazillion dollars unless you're born in some lucky family, yeah, I guess. But yeah, you're not going to get a lucky break your first time. You're going to have the bad ones. Yeah, oh, and I've had a lot of bad ones. Like, there's <laughs> some that I haven't even uploaded it because they just, uh, like, the audio sucked. And, like, I've had very inconsistent just trying to learn. 
but I really like what you said there. But I feel like I didn't have as much as that because I was just like, no one's going to see this yet because I have zero followers. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just do it. I'll just upload it. Yeah. Um, but that grows. Trust me, it grows. Yeah. And I, th- I can see it getting scary with the people that have like millions being like, they have all that pressure now. Oh, and it's, yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine putting something out there for that many people. But it'd be cool. It's fun to think about. So why did you start the podcast though? Um, honestly, maybe, maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it's an arrogance thing. Maybe it's a helpful thing. Um, I really just saw a problem. I saw a problem with my generation and I was complaining about it. And instead of just complaining about it and doing nothing, I wanted to help people. Like I love, love when people email us, um, just out of the blue and say, Hey, I'm thinking about buying a house. Can you help me with this? Or, Hey, my credit score is bad because of X, Y, Z. Can you help us with this? I love helping people with specific problems. It's like one of my favorite things. So if I can help people on a more global scale, if I can help more people, that was what it was. I mean, also it is, I mean, it's fun. Like I wanted to start a podcast because it's fun to talk to people, but you can also help people. So it's a kind of a little bit of both. That's crazy that uh, the house thing keeps coming up, and I want to kind of brief on that. So what would you say to people that haven't started building credit score? Maybe like they're about 20, 23, uh, around that age, and they say, oh, I'll do it later when I need to. And I'm like, you got to start When you need to, it's always too late. Um, One of my buddies uh, was trying to get his first home. He's actually now – we're two years later, but two years ago he wanted to buy a home. And we did it – it was – uh, someone else but uh, when they did a credit score on him uh they said you have no credit like that is a that, not a credit score like he didn't have a 450 he didn't have yeah. an 800 like no credit score available um so he basically got himself a secured credit card so basically he put up 300 dollars and he got a 300 dollar limit on his credit card so it's totally secured um basically over a year he built his credit score a year then he had another year to build it even further it takes about a year to build a good credit score so if you're listening and you want to buy a house then start right now if you want to buy yeah. it in a year from now. Um, but yeah, get a secure credit card. Um, there's a ton of out there. Then start building that credit after a year. And then, because you're going to need it for so many things buying a car, um, if you want life insurance, um, if you want to buy a house, which should be the goal of everyone listening, yeah. um, it really, really helps to start now. So, credit score is just one part of it. There's mm-hmm. also the, you need the good down payment. And the, um, well, it really depends because when I sit down and talk about it i'm trying to think what's one of the most important things that is either hit or miss the credit score is just one thing that's forgotten a lot um but the hard and but the credit score is easy to build i could Mm -hmm. sit down with anyone and build their credit score to 700 i guarantee Mm -hmm. it but the cash the cash because again it's tough to save it's tough because you get might need 20 to forty thousand dollars, and that's a ton of Mm freaking money and if you're a first-time home buyer there's a ton of ways you can only put like three percent down and still get by yeah that doing some fha like FHA, PMI, all that fun stuff. There's like, what do you think about that stuff? I think it's great. Um, Ultimately, you're paying a hundred or two hundred dollars a month to someone else that you're not getting back. Yeah. Versus paying for apartment, which is six or seven hundred dollars a month that you're not getting back. This you're actually building, and of course, everyone's gonna listening Mm -hmm. is probably gonna think, well, I'm paying it to interest. Well, yeah, but that's interest paying down on your house. That's good. That's good interest versus bad interest of credit card debt. Yeah, very true. And uh, it's it helps you get into the entryway of getting a house. And once you get a little bit more stable with your money, then you can roll that in and get, just keep moving up the house with the... Exactly. Which I think that's what a lot of people don't understand because they hear that I'm trying to get a house and they kind of like, oh, you're so young, you don't need to like think about it yet. But that's kind of, you're investing in your future oh, yeah. home. If you, if you bought a house at your age, dude, 
you're gonna be set for life. Well, that's why I know of one, no, two other people that have. Yeah, and they're good. They're uh, yeah. Because like, you can buy another smart. one in five years. You could buy then a mm-hmm. third one in another five years. Then by the time you're forty, you have six houses, right? Each that are throwing off some cash flow. You just spend time in the Bahamas whenever you want to. Right. And now what I was uh, kind of my mindset too is for the people that can't afford just by themselves. A lot of people like to go in joint tenant uh, and go in with one other person just to help, uh, and they can kind of split the equity. However. Really, do you think that's a good idea too? Just a in, just an entry kind of. So, yes and no. If it's family, it's if it's family, a hundred percent. It's but let me just say one thing: it's very easy to get in business with someone. Mm-hmm. When times are good, it's easy to get into business. Oh, it's easy I to make agree. promises, yeah. but when times are bad, people change. So and when just, money's involved, and when change. money's involved, the one thing I will say: make sure you and whoever partner you're going in with or whoever you might go in with, have discussed the worst case scenario. Mm. Because again, if it's a home, that the bank can come after you personally. Mm-hmm. And if the other person skips town, they'll come after you. So just make Good, sure you yeah. are aware of that worst case scenario. And if you're both able to work that worst case scenario, doing it jointly is huge, especially if it's family. Because again, the family yeah. have best, mm-hmm. best, um, uh, best interest at heart. Uh, but for anyone listening who might not be thinking of just family, maybe if it's a fiance, just not, and they're not, in, or just a boyfriend or girlfriend, I would very strongly urge against that uh, because, again, worst case scenario, a lot of things can go wrong. Oh, with boyfriends, yeah. <laughs> we see it all the time. Yeah, do you, you sit down with them and you're just like, uh, what do you tell them? Do you see like, oh, yeah, because, I mean, getting given loans is we can is, only, yeah we can only advise so much yeah, ultimately exactly you're like, um, this and is I'm, your life choice exactly and i'm not a mortgage lender so i'm not like mm-hmm. 100% versed on this um, but ultimately we would say like hey there is a risk to this obviously if you guys are to get broken up you both have to still buy mm-hmm. a house together so one of you is going to have to figure this out so it can get, yeah you can see how it get messy real fast now tell me a little bit more about you and uh, how you balance uh s- not school, sorry, work. I was going to say school because I'm used to doing a lot of people that are still in school. But work and your little hustle too, and you're about to start a business. Do you find that a little bit stressful or do you just like, I know and I want this five-year goal, I'm going to get to it? I do find it stressful too, but at the same time, um, it's it goes back to like the uh, Tim Ferriss um, four-hour work week or five-hour work, four-hour work that was, week. That's a good – It's and that's that's how to live life. I mean – I have, I'm trying to build, I was telling you before the show, I'm trying to build this, uh, this product. Mm-hmm. And so I found a guy on Upwork who told me he could help me build it. So I literally had to do nothing. I just send him emails of what I need. And he's dealing with the manufacturers in uh, Taiwan, uh, multiple factories in Taiwan. And he's basically building the product for me. I just pay him a certain amount. So I barely have to do anything to build that product. I mean, I have to build a lot of other things for it. But again, I don't know how to do that. So I, why would I spend time figuring out how to email Taiwan and do all that and learn how to build factories and do um, uh, invoices and all that stuff? Mm, why would I spend yeah. time learning how to do that? I just pay someone to do it. Save me hours to do Fine. other things I focus mm. on. It's all about time. Yeah. Find pe- if you can't do something, that you have to decide, is it more value to, valuable to me to learn how to do it or to pay someone to do it? Sometimes paying someone isn't an option, so it's always good to learn it. Like I said, mm-hmm. if you learn how to do something, it will be better in the long term, so maybe I am wrong at a certain point, but at the same time, I know I only have so much bandwidth, so perhaps I might not be able to get everything done in a, in right. a month or a year as I want to, so you got to weigh those. Now, you've probably looked at, too, to help uh, or monetize the podcast to help with just little 
uh, we make a little bit of money on it to help with other little things. You just keep growing stuff. And that's and that's the goal. Like uh, we we have a rule. We we put all the money back in the podcast, and we're never going to quit. So mm-hmm. both John and I will never take money out. We will only put money in. So whenever Very we ever good, get sponsorship yeah. money, whenever we get any money, we put it back in the podcast uh, or when we teach classes. Um, so like one of the things we're launching uh, in a month is our company store. So you'll be able to buy Drunken Money socks what? or like boxer briefs or hats. You'll be able to buy all that stuff soon. But it costs money to have a company store. It costs uh-huh. you know, to buy Shopify, to buy Printify. All these people get to get oh, paid. Yep, yep. Um, but we want to do it. And we it's have so some money fun. in the bank. So why, what, what good is the money going to do sitting there? Might as well put it in the back in the business and try something new. If a ton of people buy our shirts, yeah. then it's a total win. Do you think uh, they're going to let you wear that at work? Uh, <laughs> definitely not. But I have been trying to get my work to let me not wear a tie for a long time. So oh, really? if they let me wear a drunken my shirt, I'll be ecstatic. <laughs> I don't think it'll be anytime soon, though. So doing the drunken money, have this other side business going on. Sounds like you're a busy guy. Do you take any time to like step back? meditate or do you do it are you into any of that so i honestly my fiance and i have told ourselves we're gonna meditate so many mornings uh, it's, it's one of those things that uh that it sounds good in theory but when you go to do it you're like this is stupid it's tough yeah and i'm just maybe i'm just not a meditator i probably should um but honestly the time that i spend my with my fiance is my time is just my time because like we mm. love watching tv together we love making dinner together we love eating dinner together mm. we love going out together i mean we love spending time together um, and I work so hard so I can maximize my time with her, um, which is the time that I consider my time too, even though it's with her and it's not, it's right. not just me time or whatever, but yeah. And you don't want to spend, uh, time doing something that you don't, you're not comfortable with. And it, it, it's that thing where you're sitting there doing nothing Yeah, and then you're like, I can't do me. nothing, especially yeah. cause we're, both of us are just we're movers super, and shakers, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, meditating is really good, by the way. Like it's not. Oh yeah, pointless. for it anyone who does feels, do it, keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, it just feels kind of pointless when you're sitting there. Yeah. Uh, so, with the uh, Louisville, it's kind of a more intricate question, but uh, with Louisville Market, what do you think some uh, anyone saving money, not just young people, can do to prepare for any market correction or any um, if they're thinking about? Because I hear all the time, like just take on cash or just uh, save. But is there any other thing like? I have been struggling with that question for it's so scary, long. It's scary, but it's also, oh. it's so scary. Because a lot of people think the 2008 number two is going to happen. Yep. Um, and I actually wrote, so drunken money, I spent, I am the biggest optimist in real life. Yeah. But in terms of the stock market and like market corrections, I'm the biggest negative. Like I wrote a very, like one of my longest pieces on drunken money was about predicting the next recession. I want to mm-hmm. predict the next recession. Um, and I love thinking about when it's going to be, how it's going to happen. Uh, I can't say when, but I, I want to say what causes it. Oh yeah. It's all on the, it's all on, it's a really long blog. If uh-huh. you It's really interesting. It goes through all these different pieces and scenarios. Um, but ultimately what I've, what I've come to agree is, and after analyzing a ton of data, there's never a bad time to put money in the market. So for example, so right now today, if we're in the highest point that money can be, so like if this is a high point in the S&P 500, even if we invest on a five-year scale, it will not be any worse than if we would have invested at a low point. Basically, it's a time value of money, whereas if you look at any five-year average, investing at a high point versus a low point really kind of simplifies itself mm-hmm. out. You can't really beat when to get in the market. You just have time in the market. So I would never, ever go on a podcast and say, this is how you prepare. Always just assume times yeah. are going to be good. I mean, you can't prepare. Like, have money aside. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I like to do things on the side because I could lose my job tomorrow. I like to network because I could lose my job tomorrow. I, could, I mean, there's tons of things that could go wrong. I could lose my house yeah. tomorrow. There's always things that can go wrong. And definitely prepare for that. Have insurance. Have things in the background of your mind that you can do if something goes wrong. But right now, times are good. And don't think about not taking that risk because the market could do something. You can only mm-hmm. control what you can do. And if you're ambitious enough and if you have the drive – the, the market going down will not stop that. And one big thing I see on YouTubers do is they try to hype it up as the super scary, like, oh, everything's going to end, you're going to die. and uh, It's never that yeah. bad. And the pundits, because, again, it's the, like the Weather Channel. The Weather Channel gets viewers when they make something sound yeah. big. Mm-hmm. So if they make it sound like it's going to snow five inches and going to be a nightmare, it's like everyone tunes in the news, tunes in the news, tunes in the news. Oh, we just got a light dusting. It's the exact same thing with financial markets. It's like, um, like right now, uh, the Trump trade talks are going on with China, and it's becoming. It's mm-hmm. it. If you read, you could read ten thousand articles on that right now. But oh, does anyone know mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Could it? D- does it even mean it'll do anything? Who knows? Yeah, nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine are negative. And exactly, like- and that none of them have any idea. No one can predict the future, but. They know they can get uh, likes, views if they say one way or another. Right. They can if they make it a big deal. That's what's gonna be the end of the world. But at the end of the day, the SP 500 still gonna go up. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's always gonna like in the long term future go up, but it'll have its dips. Like anything, it has the yin yang. And uh, real estate's one that I've been looking on hardcore because mm-hmm. Louisville has one of the best for real estate and just. Being, I feel like I've been kind of late to the train on that one. And I feel like everyone, they didn't really realize it was here until it was here. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's on that boat. Everyone, they're like, you talk to anyone, they're like, real estate. Everyone's doing real estate in Louisville. Uh, well, it's never too young to start. Yeah. And you're getting started young, more younger than most people. So, again, just because you're late to the game doesn't mean you're getting late to the game in your life aspect. Well, yeah, that's scary. And I hear a lot of people wanting to drop an agent's or Oh, I'm quitting. Because they hear that uh, things happening and they don't fully understand it. But at the same time, at our age too, and with investing, mm-hmm. you can take a lot of risk in your younger years, right? If I'm investing in my retirement account, I can take the, I can buy the riskiest stuff ever because if it goes down, it's my retirement account. It'll go back up long term. True. People don't think the same thing in their personal lives. For example, you and I have a long amount of time to make money. I mean, we can work till we're 60 or 70, right? And with modern medicine, maybe till we're 80. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, why not front load all that risk to right now the same way we do with financial markets? Mm. So again, if you're thinking about buying a house, if you're thinking about you know starting a podcast, if you're thinking about um, you know starting a business, if you're thinking about um, moving away for a year, traveling, if you're thinking about taking that risky job somewhere else, why not do it now? You don't have a family to worry about. You don't have a mortgage to worry about. There's so many things you don't have to worry about because there's literally no risk. So why not take those biggest risks now? And that's one thing mm-hmm. that people don't think about because they think what happens if the market goes down? What happens if, you know, I lose all my money? Worst case scenario, hopefully move back in with your parents, find a way to figure it out. That's so true. And uh, I think people shouldn't live with fear of exactly. trying because then they're never going to act. And that's how I was most of it. I was like, and I, I held back from a lot of what I should have been doing on anything. And that's why I was kind of late to the train on everything. There's these fears, like, should I jump, should I not? I keep hearing, I see these YouTube things, and yeah, it's it's crazy. It's and dangerous. I think everyone, is, they get in their head and loop, and I think the biggest way to do that is just take that jump. Because yep. I've done a lot of <laughs> risky stuff like that a lot of people didn't agree with, but now it's a little bit more open. Yeah, uh, and one day, I guarantee you'll, you'll never look back and say, I wish I would have been more stable. Yeah, you'll that's always, always look a, back and say, you're glad you took the risk. And I always like to think of it like, 
you're never going to make big unless you do the risk because you can live comfortably doing the no risk but you might not ever get what you want unless you do the risk mm. um which is very interesting because you can do that comfortable stay i like to call it the comfortably numb where you're not happy but you're not sad you're in this middle part yep. which is a super interesting part to be in because you always live that comfortable but then the risk like it just feels so like good to finally take that risk do you feel like what's one of the biggest risks that you've taken so that question you just asked is the hardest question in my life to uh-huh. ever answer um and it's why i am working on taking so many risks in my life oh yeah and you just told me about yeah that it's, too. i you're don't have like, yeah. My biggest risk, I think, is putting my voice on the airwaves, basically mm-hmm. starting a podcast. I don't want to look back and say that's my biggest risk ever. So I I think I'm going – I have a couple risks in my next two years that I think will be big risks. Are those so the businesses? Whether it be businesses, whether it be honeymoon travel, whether it be crazy things out there, I just want to not look back and say – I didn't take the risk when yeah, I could have. Live it up. That's exactly. What I was like. I, yeah, was, we we were combining ourselves so much into doing that, what everyone else wants us to do. And I think that social media is really starting to because uh, I feel like that's what it always social media is exposing it like crazy, and oh, just yeah. like, uh, it's it's so crazy. What's a uh, little bit of a change on topic? Yeah. Because I realized that I ran you over a little bit. I didn't no, know if you needed fine. to be anywhere. Yeah, uh, like I am. My life's not that exciting. <laughs> Uh, but do you have any quotes that you live by or you listen to any motivational speakers, any Tony Robbins, any Dave Ramsey? I do. There's, there's one, um, there's one YouTube video and it's like a combination of a bunch of like motivational speeches. I used to be able to quote it in college. Oh yeah. It's called dream motivational and it's a lot of Will Smith talking, some Denzel Washington. Yeah. It has like 80 million views on YouTube, but it's all these motivational speeches and um, one of the big ones is, and I'm going to butcher it, um, don't let the losers in your life depict how you live your life. Like, you need to surround yourself mm-hmm. with winners. Um, and I know I kind of mentioned that on the podcast earlier, but it is so true. If you surround yourself with people that are going to put you down, get rid of them. Surround yourself with people that will love you and will keep you going and make you happier um, because life's too short to surround yourself with yeah. the people that are going to make you sad. Too many people listen to people that listen to advice Ugh. from people that don't do anything. Yeah, they don't do anything. They just want to they just want to criticize others. Yeah. Don't listen to those people. And I've definitely done that before. I've listened Yeah, we to all it. have. God, it, yeah, it's it's crazy. I really like that quote by the way too. Um just really taking back and filling with positivity and actually like you said living it up. Yep. It's a, it's a it's a big one. Yeah, you really you really do want to make sure you are uh surrounding yourself with the right people. And yeah, don't yeah. and don't give up. Like um, another quote in the thing is like you could work all night and have an event and no one might show up, but you'll still be there and you need to keep having events. Like there's nothing worse when we have a drunken money event and I look out in the room and there's five people there and I had friends who told me I'll be there, Paul. Like I'll be there. Oh my and then God. they don't yeah. show up. Mm. You know how hard that is? Or when like you're there, it's the worst feeling in the world, but, but then, never, yeah. ever, ever, ever quit. Never quit. Yeah. Keep Wait, going. Have you? Has that happened? Oh yeah, for sure. Happens. Or yeah, or like when I was talking to that band earlier, Will Dorado. Mm-hmm. They said one time they're invited to play a concert, and they, it was at a restaurant. So they're literally sound checking while people are eating their food in front of them, and it was said they said it was the hardest thing they had to play, and no one showed up, and they literally just had to play, in a, oh. like a restaurant for people that literally didn't care for them, and yeah. they said, "Why are we doing this?" But they just never quit, and you—that's 
that's the kicker. And that's why I said when looking at your wall, it's like you've changed your logo. Now you have one that you love. Like, just never quit. Yeah. Never 100%. quit. 100%. Well, that's an amazing note to leave on. I really like that. <laughs> Never quit. Full of those, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much. No, Bob. no, no. Thank you for having me on the show. I love yeah. it. Love it. Thank you so much for listening to the full episode on this one. Uh, Paul was such a nice guy. I want to thank him so much for joining. If you could, please subscribe, like, comment, rate on the those who do. For If you're either listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, doesn't matter. But we're really trying to build this up. Um, trying to get a new episode every day for the next few weeks i have seven guests scheduled out so a lot of cool stuff some guests don't want to say anything but there's gonna be some big ones coming soon so thank you so much for listening hope everyone has an amazing day learned a lot and stay tuned for the next one thank you